podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference Plus. BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, we are the flagship show of the 10-12 Network and partners with Sports Drink, your water cooler for all things sports and not sports, a fantastic podcast network in their own right. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Joining me today, as she does every week, the magnanimous, the illustrious, the vibe queen herself, JSJ, Jamie Steyer Johnson. Yeah. The vibes have been better uh, at times, but I'm here. I'm all right. We're we're out here, and I've got a week to uh, chill. Now we're back at it, and that's where we're at. There you go. Okay. Uh, uh, weirdly vague, but we'll uh, we'll roll with it. Let's see what happens. Uh, you get it. Come on, it's it's been a it's been a rough one, been a rough one. Oh, we're gonna bounce back. Yeah, not not two game two games you would like to have back for Iowa State, uh, specifically on the women's side, because that's what we're focusing today. Uh, our good friend Andy Mitz uh, cannot make it tonight, so in his stead, we are very excited to welcome back to the show for what is going to be a Big Twelve women's basketball midseason focused episode, Justin Carter of Her Hoop Sports, among many other things. Justin, welcome back, man. Hey, good to, good to be back here. Seriously, I, I don't I don't think I realized how much stuff you write for. You've got a book on poetry now. Justin, you're just a man of many talents. Yeah, I just, um, I don't know, I do a lot. I write a lot. I don't do anything else that isn't writing ever, really. So... Very good. Justin, of course, writes a uh, twice week or a, not twice weekly, a, a bi-weekly, once every two week newsletter for Her Hoop Sports focusing on Big 12 women's basketball. Uh, you should go check it out. It is quite good. We are here today to hand out some midseason awards for Big 12 women's basketball. Very excited to do this. But before we get to that, we have an announcement we have to do, which is why I'm a little sad Andy's not here. We got some big news. Uh, obviously, the Big 12 will be adding four new members on July 1st. And our goal here in the network has been to add new shows and have every team covered, fingers crossed, by that July 1st of 2023 date. Well, we are now two steps closer to doing so. This week, we are adding two new podcasts to the 1012 network that will cover two additional teams. We will announce one of them later this week on the Thursday pod, and you can Follow us on Twitter at 1012 Network to find out who that is there as well. But today, I'm very excited to welcome Viva La Cats, our new Cincinnati Bearcat podcast to the 1012 Network. We are thrilled, thrilled to be welcoming this fantastic podcast and its two hosts to the show. And so before we talk women's basketball, I'm going to introduce you to the new hosts and let you have a moment to kind of learn a little bit about this new addition to the network. We have had a goal since we launched this network to have a show that covers every single school in the Big 12, not Oklahoma. Um, And when the Big 12 announced they were adding four new programs, we said, we're not going to wait. We're not going to wait until July 1st of 2023 to onboard the shows. We're just going to make sure we find the right fits, the right shows to add to the 1012 network. Well, we have Houston and UCF. I'm very excited that we are now at least one show closer to getting all 12 future Big 12 schools in the 1012 network. Viva La Cats, our new Cincinnati Bearcat podcast here on the network. Very excited to welcome them to the group. And joining me today are the hosts of our new Cincinnati Bearcat show. That is Stephen and Justin. Guys, welcome. Good to be on. Glad to be part of the party here. Thanks for having us. Well, yeah, I mean, Welcome to the show. Welcome to the network. Very excited to have you guys. Uh, we have spent a lot of time trying to find what we felt was was the right fit for us. Um, and you guys, you know, we, we've we've had some conversations back and forth. I've listened to your show quite a few times, and I think I think you guys are are a great addition to the Ten Twelve Network. And it feels good to finally have some Bearcat representation uh, before things become official. Official, you know, 
walk down the aisle and seal the deal on July 1st. Guys, I mean, I want to start with this, just so that everybody kind of knows. Kind of kind of tell us a little bit about Viva La Cats. What is this Cincinnati Bearcat show all about? Yeah, um, Viva La Cats is started as a sideshow deal to uh, the Barstool Cincy account uh, when Steve and I used to run that a long time ago. And so that devolved out eventually into becoming our own thing, just the two of us now. Um, and we cover the Bearcats every single week. Uh, we're both from Cincinnati. So, uh, we ride and die for the Bearcats. This is our team. Um, and like I said, we, we love to cover every, every angle from football and basketball. Those are our primary focuses, but we also have a little bit of pro talk sports here and there, um, when relevant. I mean, I feel like it was slightly relevant uh, (laughs) for at least a couple of weeks while the Bengals were still in the playoffs. Uh, look, so what, what? Stephen, Justin, I mean, tell me a bit about you guys' history with Cincinnati, the University of Cincinnati, and and and, and just being Bearcats fans. Yeah, um, so I'll I'll take this one, Justin. I'll start, and then I'll let you go. But um, <laughs> I just my dad went to Cincinnati, my mom went to Cincinnati. Uh, we've been going to basketball games ever since I can remember, uh, and then I worked for the football program. Uh, while I was in school at the University of Cincinnati as well. So I've always had a pretty close connection with the campus, with the community, uh, and just to see the growth that it's that it's had from a, just a great basketball program to uh, a good basketball program, a great football program, and the, cam- the campus around it just growing and becoming just a vital for college town. It's been amazing. And just like I can't imagine ever cheering for another high, uh, another college team. It just like it's I, it, the thing I'm really excited about joining the Big 12 is that there are just fans of the schools who are just fans of the schools. They are not fans of you know this sec. It's not their secondary team. It's their number one team throughout. And to Justin and I, I think we align with that vision and that this is our number one team. And you know we we Cincinnati is a pro sports town, but there are a lot of diehard college sports fans, including Cincinnati fans. There's a lot of diehard uh, Cincinnati ba- basketball and football fans, as well as all the other sports. And so it's just been such a fun ride to see how much the athletic department has grown uh, since I just initially started going to games when I was a, a young one. Yeah, um, the piggyback off that, like you said, it's, it's one of these things where I think if you're born in Cincinnati, um, you know, Everybody has that idea that, you know, you'll end up maybe going to local school or maybe you'll end up going to the big one up north. And that's what everybody loves to talk about. But in Cincinnati, like we really don't see it that way. Like Ohio State is not our it's it's not our first choice for a lot of Cincinnatians. And and Cincinnati, we have this whole talk of the state of Cincinnati, um, but it really is like its own little pocket in the corner. Um, and when, you know, you grow up there, you kind of grow up on the Bearcats. Like it, it's what you see, it's what you hear about. Um, and we always love to say that like Cincinnati is the world's, uh, biggest small town because everybody knows everybody, everybody, you know, um, it, it's funny. You go, you ask like, what's the first question? So if I ask Steve right now, what's the first question that somebody from Cincinnati would ask you if they're from Cincinnati? Where'd you go to high school? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just a thing where like people want to know the locale. And so, like I said, like growing up um, in Cincinnati, my whole life, my uh, my mom worked at the university. My parents went there. So I guess I'm a legacy as well. Um, it's it's just very cool to be part of such a fast growing program. Um, like Steven mentioned, like it's what what this campus was when we were kids and we were you know running around, not really knowing what all it meant. And then now going to the university, graduating from the university, being a part of that. Um, alumni base is really cool and it's just awesome to be a part of this culture in a city that really is passionate and cares about their sports whereas you know a lot of pro cities you don't always get that like a lot of pro city look i mean no shade to our friends over at houston uh but you know if you look at a city like houston like their their fan base is not nearly as concentrated on the cougars there's mainly focused on all a lot of their pro sports um, in LA and New York and a lot of these big cities it falls away, but Cincinnati is like one of those ones where you have the Reds and you have the Bengals who are really at the forefront, but the Bearcats are still right there with them. 
and so it's sort of this holy trinity kind of thing that we love to talk about too but uh bearcats are part of it and it's it's really cool to be part of like i said a uh, a program where everyone really cares and that is your first and primary team so obviously cincinnati joining uh the big 12 with as you mentioned houston ucf and byu um AAC is not the Big 12, and, and obviously we have seen quite a bit of debate on Twitter uh, this past week. The fan bases are already going at it. Welcome, uh, welcome Cincinnati fans to, well, let's just say it, welcome to the shit, because that's what happens when you start getting into Twitter battles with uh, some of the most online fan bases in college sports, Iowa State specifically, but then you throw in Kansas State, who's, who's gotten themselves in the mix. Plenty of Cincinnati fans, I have noticed, have taken this opportunity uh, to try and jump in and also dump on UCF and align themselves with the other Big 12 schools against the Knights from Central Florida. Uh, I mean, what? how do describe to me Cincinnati fans. Like, we're getting a good taste of UCF. I think I have a good idea of Houston. I'm still way out there on BYU. But, like, I don't feel I've gotten enough interaction with Cincinnati fans at this point to really have a good basis for, for what a Cincinnati fan is. What is a Bearcat fan, guys? Um, I guess I could take this one. Bearcats fans are kind of a little bit of everything. Um, the best way I like to put it is um, prisoners of the moment. Um, that <laughs> recency bias really clouds the conscious. Uh, but we really do like, we, we know the history, especially in our basketball program. Um, so we're very diehard about that. But at the same time, we are also uh, can tend to also be critical. If we're being honest, we can tend to be critical sometimes. And like I said, very prisoner of the moment esque, and uh, you know, that kind of just rides with however the team is performing, but underneath all of that there is always a consistent passionate fan base that is always there the fan base never leaves and it never it never bandwagons with success or failure but they're just a lot louder on both ends of the spectrum um and so i think for cincinnati fans it's really just about like i said um you know we we want winning teams and we want to perform and thankfully with football um it's gotten to that point over the past decade and change um, and now, especially over the past few years, uh, we've seen a lot of it. So like I said, Cincinnati fans really just love the, love the high performing teams as anybody would. I think that just like being a Midwestern town that has like those, you know, just diehard sports allegiances and just, you know, we, we pour our heart into it as well. And it just like, you know, even take our new soccer team, like you know, they, they started off with like zero fans. And like, by the end of that year, they had like a diehard fan base. And that's what you see with like, you know, the, uh, the basketball and football teams. And like, I think what makes us different from like the other four schools is that, you know, and like BYU has definitely been around for about about the same amount of time as us. But I think that the fact that we were in the big East, I think to me says that it shows that we were able, you know, we have a little bit of the taste of the P five pie. And now maybe uh, we'll get a similar tweet at some point when we talk about our 2009 experience and uh, people tell us that, you know, you were just playing against the Syracuses and Pittsburghs of the world. You weren't playing against Texas and Oklahoma, which may be a, a fair retort, you know, but I, I think I think that's kind of interesting from our standpoint is that while we've had recent success from outside of the uh, Power Five conference structure, the fact that we were in that 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 realm for a little bit and we were successful in football successful in basketball i think that's given people a little bit of a taste for what that a level of competition is like and i think it also is kind of letting us know and that you know well we'll, we'll have a new football coach in year one of a new brand new conference that's going to be a step up we have a basketball program that's rebuilding right now and growing and still trying to uh, keep making success, but we're entering the toughest basketball conference in college, in college sports. So it's going to be like, I think Cincinnati fans, like I'm giving us too much credit. I know, but I think we are able to realize that this is going to be a lot harder than what it was. And while there's credit given there, there's also like a, okay, we want to be competitive right away. So we are critical, but we, it's all because like we, we under, I think we understand. And I mean, again, I'm giving us too much credit, but I think we understand the monster that we're walking into. So obviously football and basketball and in the big 12, those are the King, obviously the best big men's basketball conference in the country. Very good in football. 
but every school has its kind of third sport or other sport that it really, the fan base really gets behind for Texas Tech. It's baseball for TCU, similarly so, uh, although they have some other ones. Everyone has different ones. Um, for Oklahoma, softball is is a big deal. So is gymnastics, Oklahoma State, softball and wrestling, golf. For Cincinnati, uh, obviously football and basketball, we get all that. What, what's the other, where's the other sports where you feel like either Cincinnati shines or the fan base is very ardent, avid, rabid, like this is the thing we love to talk about? Um, I, I think uh, I would, Justin, you uh, can disagree with me if you want, but I would uh, say that volleyball is our third one because uh, we had recently had an Olympic uh, athlete, Jordan Thompson, uh, who's also on the co- uh, face of multiple like Under Armour ads, and just, uh, she's become like just a national athlete, and she might be able to go again next uh, for that Olympics. But she really brought along our volleyball program um, from not really being talked about much to really being like a, a considered point just when we're talking about different sports among our our fan base and. I, I don't think it's at the level where a lot of people would like it to be, where we're talking about it all the time. But I think just the fact that she was able to get uh, Cincinnati into the second round of the NCAA volleyball tournament before ultimately falling uh, to Pitt almost on her own and raised the level of expectation within that program just because of how much of a star she is. There's people clamoring for her number to be retired. And like that's not very quiet. That's a very loud discussion of people wanting – her number to be retired and she would be the first uh, volleyball player uh, to have her number retired at university of Cincinnati, just to correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, and then I, I think it's also that we want to get into baseball. Um, and there's a lot of uh, talk with, you know, the reds not really showing that they want to compete right now. There's a lot of talk around people wanting to support the university of Cincinnati baseball program. And I, they had some great crowds last year. They were able to win the American Conference in 2019 and go to the uh, Corvallis Regional and uh, were able to knock off the defending national champions that year in the first game of that regional. But um, I, I would I would say volleyball, but to be perfectly honest, I don't know if there's exactly a third sport that is captivating the entire fan base at the moment. Yeah, I want to jump in on that one too because it's – it is really tough because football is has become the prevalent monster in the front, but uh, basketball I think has always been the tried true answer uh, for the first. As for the third, personally, I would say it's probably probably baseball. I would think. I mean, at least for what what I see people going out to see, going out to watch, um, you know, crowd wise, and what generally has the most momentum online, I think usually comes down to baseball. Um, and again, that kind of rides with how successful the team is and versus like football and basketball are always going to be the talking points. Um, I think, but baseball, when they're running, like that is the third and it's, it's tough, but like, we've had some very great players and some of recent note, um, Sandy Koufax, one of the best pitchers of all time, uh, was a Bearcat, um, Euclid, very well-known name, Ian Happ, Josh Harrison as well. Um, I think some of those guys, like it, it, people want to want to make this a sort of um, make it make it a competitive program. And I think people really started to show out a lot last year, too. There were some good crowds out there. And I think it kind of just comes down to a PR thing and trying to get the team uh, a little more noticed. But uh, we certainly tried have tried before as well. So maybe we just need to start talking more baseball, too. <laughs> so on that note, um, let's kind of wrap up here, guys. What should. Big 12 fans, what should fans and people of the 10-12 network uh, who tune into your show, what should they expect from FIBA the Cats? Oh, loaded question. Uh, we've, we've got a little <laughs> bit of everything. Um, what I would really say is that uh, we do. We release new episodes every week. Um, every once in a while, we have an online, uh, you know, on Twitter spaces, we'll do a live call. Spaces, no, uh, those are fun. We try to get people involved. Um, when it comes to the Bearcats, uh, like I said, you're going to get a lot from us. You're going to get pretty laid back environment generally. Um, sometimes we're just, you know, talking back and forth, nothing too crazy. But then sometimes we'll get really serious about certain points, too, and try to go into some deep dive. We both love history, too, um, and trying to find some, you know, old stats might be it, some old stories as well about the program. Um, and then, you know, honestly, a lot of times it's just 
it's just kind of white noise too. Uh, we've got we've got a little bit of everything, but honestly, uh, it's it's always Bearcats based. That's usually what we lead with on pretty much every single episode. So uh, topics in the past have ranged from uh, which Clifton bar uh, relates to your favorite basketball player, uh, or uh, you know which uh, which uh, skyline order uh, do the football guys order, or how many uh, what can the skyline chili Coney record for offensive linemen. 16, by the way, in one sitting by an offensive lineman. Can that record ever be broken? Uh, so there is some, uh, we, we obviously do like to have some fun, but I would say it's a, you know, a nuanced discussion about the different ins and outs of uh, Bearcat sports every week. And like Justin said, the spaces have been a lot of fun and um, I'm glad those are, uh, those have returned because we really enjoyed getting a chance to talk with different people. And even when uh, Coach uh, Fickle left for Wisconsin, we had a lot of Big 12 fans within that space uh, to talk, uh, talk with us and say, hey, you're, you're going to be joining the Big 12 now. You're joining a big league. You should really want to shoot for something higher. And I think that's just been the, the best part about you know, uh, joining the Big 12 and then joining the 10-12 network as well. It's just that we are able to just have conversations with other big 12 fans <laughs> and there's just other than UCF and Houston, which is obviously a reason why they were, uh, they, they were added. There's just not that fan base interaction from the other schools in the American. And it's not even close to the amount of fan base interaction. I've had people tell me this week that like, this was the most fun they've ever had on Twitter. And it's only been, we've only seen the big 12 schedule and it's been just a week, you know? Yeah. So it's just so exciting to be a part of that. So I think we're going to also, uh, like to talk more about the Big 12 and just the uh, goings on around the conference as we enter in the league. But um, right now we're in the thick of Bearcat basketball season, so we're breaking down every game, previewing games, uh, as well as looking ahead to uh, the football season uh, upcoming. We just, on our show this week, we broke down all 12 games of the schedule. Um, and we're also looking to uh, ingratiate more interviews into our, our, our show as well. So, um Anything Bearcats related, if you're interested, come on over to Viva the Cats. We've got you covered. All right. I'm, I'm going to have to try the Skyline Chili at some point. Um, let's see if I can order a can and it not cost me $20 for one ten and a half <laughs> ounce can of Skyline Chili to get sent down to Arkansas, but we'll see what we can do. Uh, if you guys want to just mail me one, that'd be fun. Uh, Justin, Stephen, uh, welcome to the network. Thrilled to have you guys. Cannot wait to, to continue to build this network and glad that you're going to be here for and be a part of this continued growth. Everyone go and check out Viva La Cats. You can find it everywhere podcasts are available. And of course, Viva La Cats on Twitter. Uh, and if you go find them there, you'll be able to find Stephen and Justin's Twitter accounts as well. Guys, welcome. And uh, we're going to have you back on again soon because I, I got plenty of learning about Cincinnati to do before the 2023 uh, 2024 college sports season kicks off. Thank you. Thank you so much. Happy to be part Appreciate of it. it. Do you love the Big 12 Conference? Do you love college basketball? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. So come on over to the Midwest Madness Podcast, powered by the 1012 Network, where I, Robbie Triano of SiriusXM, talk all things men's basketball in the Big 12 Conference. Whether it's breaking down the biggest games, interviews with some of the best people covering the league, or discussing which teams will make the big dance, make the Midwest Madness Podcast your bi-weekly listen, because the best way to prepare for March Madness is to listen to the Midwest Madness. Thank you to Justin and Steven. We are thrilled to have them here. Do yourselves a favor. Make sure you are subscribed to Viva La Cats. Everywhere podcasts are available. Go give Viva La Cats a follow on Twitter, of course, we uh, will be announcing this on Twitter on Monday as well. Thrilled to have them here. You'll be hearing more from them this summer as the four newcomers join. Um, 2023 is going to be batshit crazy when it comes to football and everything else. When you have a one-year, 14-team conference before two members leave to go elsewhere. Likely. Likely. I know the current situation regarding... It's not going to happen anytime soon because Fox and ESPN can't agree to anything, even though I think the Big 12 and OU and Texas are all on simpatico. If you haven't heard that news, I don't want to go into it right now. That was on Friday. If you haven't read it yet, I, you probably don't care. So let's focus on what we came here to focus on tonight. Aside from adding a Cincinnati podcast and another one later this week, let's talk Big 12 women's basketball 
We're going to hand out some midseason awards. We'll do a little bit at men's here at the end, me and Jamie. But let's talk about the women's here for a second. We've got a list of awards that we're going to be handing out this evening, today, this evening as we record this. And, of course, we had to have some help. Jamie, of course, covers the Big 12, Iowa State. Justin, of course, as we mentioned earlier, covers the Big 12 for her hoop sport. So let's start this off. I'm going to go in a little bit of a random order because I kind of feel like I want to save a few in particular for the end. You know, you save the big awards for the end. You don't give away best picture and best director at the beginning of the awards uh, show and then start handing out the technical stuff at the end. No one will stick around. So let's start off with, I think, an interesting one. Sixth woman. Sixth woman of the year in the Big 12. Uh, We had hoped to have Andy here to help out with this. So, uh, Jamie and Justin are going to be doing the heavy lifting while I MC this here situation. I will be changing wardrobes in between every award. You won't be able to see that because this is obviously podcasting, which is only an auditory medium. Just believe me. Hey, didn't you just start using our YouTube again? Let's let's fire it up. Let's let's go through the home field wardrobe, baby. Ooh. Uh, it's a lot. No, we don't have the time for that. I was kidding. Nor do I want to edit that together. Uh, let's th- start things off with six. Woman of the year, Jamie, who so far has been the best first off the bench in the Big 12. I mean, I I have a hard time going away from Skylar Van. I mean, she's been she's been so good. And I have to say, like, every single one of these is tough. I could easily give you minimum two others for every single one. Um, but just the, the way that she impacts Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma such a weird one because they play so many people so many minutes. Um, like y- your your highest average minutes in a game are under 27. Like that's absurd to me. It's absolutely wild. But the fact that she's, you know, up there amongst the top, she's their fourth leading scorer. She's their leading rebounder. That's really big. Um, uh team that has as many possessions as they do to be the leading rebounder is really big she always has a really big spark it seems like I don't know maybe it's just in my watching but she doesn't shoot a great three-point percentage but it feels like every single one she hits is like at a time that they really need it um so that's that I I yeah I have a really hard time going away from Skylar Van as much as there's like four people especially at Oklahoma State that I very easily could have gone with as well all right, Skyler. Yeah, I mean, I go ahead, Justin. I was gonna say Van was my honorable mention for this one. I went a little different here. I went with Bella Fauntleroy from Baylor. Mm. She has she leads the Big Twelve in win shares among six woman candidates. Um, she's you know providing you know some good minutes for the Bears. She's shooting sixty percent from the field. Um. You know, she's not necessarily scoring as much as Skylar Van is, but I think with how how the Baylor rotation is kind of um very shallow, um, you know, she's providing them a lot of minutes they really need. So I went with her, but I th- I think Van's right there for me. And the hard thing with Fauntleroy is that with the, the amount of games that she started in the past few, you know, she's started several games in a row so you almost wonder okay how many more is she gonna end up starting over a little page bugs and whether she ends up being i don't know what the eligibility criteria is for the end of the year but you're spot on she's huge for them to be able to put both of them out there on the court at once little page bugs and follow her that's a that's a tough one but man has she really come on this season very good all right let's move on to our next category uh i'm now rocking a different home field shirt i promise maybe I'm just changing clothes while they talk uh blacked out the camera let's go to one that i enjoy defensive player of the year in the big 12 justin i'm gonna let you lead this one off yeah so um i have tyana jackson winning this she's second in the big 12 in defensive win shares only behind um stephanie soars who you know actually rephrase that she's first now yeah um, she's second in blocks behind Stephanie. Um, 12.5 rebounds per game, the only player in the conference averaging double-digit rebounds. Um, the team has an 81.6 defensive rating when she's on the floor and a 97.5 defensive rating when she's off the floor. So you can see kind of how big her impact is. Um, 
I think, you know, it, it, if it wasn't for the Sora's injury, it would be a two-player race for this. But factoring that in, she kind of runs away with it for me. Very good. Jamie? Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think that that's a pretty safe bet. You You generally look at it as... For a guard to win it, you have to be, I mean, head and shoulders above anyone else. That's kind of what happened with Lexi last year. And unfortunately, especially recently, uh, Lexi Donarski's kind of a casualty of the struggles that Iowa State has had as a team on the defensive end of the court. And so there's certainly a case to be made if you can put on a, a really, really tough push to end the season. Again, you know, we're at the midseason for her to jump back in it. But right now, I mean, you know, you you heard the numbers from Justin. Like, it's really hard to argue with the impact that Tiana Jackson makes when she's on the court. And, I mean, not to mention the fact that she's the, I mean, she's the most dominant big in the league. You know, it's something that a lot of other teams don't have. And so that just puts her even higher up as far as how impactful she is because there's so few people who are able to mitigate her impact in any meaningful way at times. So I, I certainly think that that's a, that's a pretty good bet right now. Very good. All right. Seems we have a unanimous pick here. Okay. Let's uh, let's move to an interesting one. Andy actually pitched this one. You know what? I'll save it. He might be able to join us. So we'll, let's see if we can hang on to this one. Uh, unsung hero. This would be the player who gets talked about the least, but he makes as big of an impact as she possibly can. That makes sense. Uh, Jamie, who do you got here? This, this could be recency bias because of what I witnessed yesterday. Um, but again, you know, this one's super subjective. It's hard. But uh, the one that really jumps out to me is Jade Owens. She has been so impactful on the perimeter for Baylor. I was caught really off guard by a lot of her tendencies, a lot of her numbers when I was doing my research. You know, she's got a huge percentage of Baylor's assists this year. She's had a huge jump from last year to this year. You know, she went from averaging 1.6 a game all the way up to 5.7 per game, um, especially for a team that has had really change their play style in the past couple of years. That's crucial. Uh not scoring as much as some other players on her team, but they generally have a lot of different people contributing in that column. But she basically quadrupled her scoring out. But, you know, she barely averaged over two points a game the past couple of years. She's up to 8.7 this year. Um, I just There's a really stark difference in the way that they play with her on the court and without her on the court. Like I said, I, I saw it firsthand yesterday, but I've been really, really impressed where there's a lot of talk about Sarah Andrews. There's a lot of talk about Jamie Asbury because of their capabilities as three point shooters, because of their ability to slash to the rim and the fact that they just tend to put up bigger numbers, especially in the scoring column. But I think that Jaden Owens is the one that kind of quietly keeps everything running for them on the offensive end. I'll note on your comment uh, that her, uh, the amount of assists that she counts for the team, according to her or to CBB analytics, Jaden Owens uh, accounts for 97% of the team's stats or team's assists. She uh, has a usage rate of just 16.5% which is ridiculous. It's, it's, it's crazy low. Uh, Justin, who do you have here? Yeah, so I went with um, Dayona Gaston from Texas. I don't... She's the leading scorer for the team, but I just don't feel like I hear a lot of talk about her. Um, she's shooting 55% from the field. Um, she's fourth in the conference in win shares. Uh, um, but I just... I don't know. I don't hear enough people talking about the impact she's making. And I especially think that Texas is a team that, you know, going into the season, I had a lot of questions about like their front court and she's going to help shore that up, especially with the Taylor Jones injury issues this year. So I went with her for that award. I like it. Okay. Hey, there's a pretty open category here. You kind of do what you wanted with it. Uh, let's talk about coach. Let's take it just to set the players aside for a minute. Let's talk about coach of the year. 
A lot of interesting options here. A lot of teams have dealt with, you know, we've got some new coaches on the scene who have had some big turnarounds for their programs. You've got coaches who've dealt with a lot of injury on their roster and, and they're still having success. Justin, I'll let you go first here. Who is your coach of the year thus far in the Big 12? Yeah, so I went with Nikki Collin for this. Um, just because I think Baylor's had some real adversity with, you know, Dre Edwards hasn't been able to play because of the whole transfer issues with Kentucky. Asia Blackwell's been hurt all year, and she's still got the team of seven and three in the conference, sixteen and six overall. Um, I know a lot of teams have dealt with adversity this year, but I just think bringing in two transfers who are supposed to kind of anchor your team and then not having them basically and still winning is pretty impressive to me. Jamie, I went with J.C. Hoyt from Oklahoma State. I had no expectations whatsoever for their team coming into the season, frankly. Um, they got a bunch of transfer pieces from all over the place, which is pretty typical when you end up with a new coach, uh, especially after a really tough season like they had last year. So it, it was kind of up in the air to me whether all of that could come together. It's, it's a pretty big jump as far as level of play. And I was really intrigued to start off the year when it looked like at times I'm like, you know what? I, I really do think that they've got something there, but I'm waiting to see what happens in conference play. Uh, and, and they've really truly impressed in conference play. Uh, they've certainly made the most of a lot of their pieces. In my opinion, it's, it's really impressive to see a lot of people who did not know each other at all you know, less than a year ago, come together the way that they have. Uh, but ultimately, I think that that's, you know, my midseason pick. I think that as far as who will be picked once we get to the end of the year, it's a really good chance it's just whoever wins the Big 12 because there's been so many key injuries that, you know, if you get either Baylor or you get Texas ending up on top, they both have those that you can point at and saying, okay, you overcame losing this player. For Oklahoma, you've got a fairly new coach. You've got a kind of funky play style that you could say, okay, well, you figured it out, so you deserve to win it. You know, you could go down the list, but that that would, if I were predicting further out, that's what I think ultimately will happen. But right now, I mean, I've, I've been so impressed with J.C. Hoyt. Very cool, very cool. Okay. Uh, let's move back to players. Uh, talk about freshman of the year which which freshman is making the biggest impact for their team so far this season uh jamie i've got to go with dariana little page bugs uh she's done so much and you know like justin was just mentioning that's been a really really tough spot for her to be in like she was not supposed to have to contribute she was always capable of contributing as much as she has, but she was supposed to be able to kind of lean on Dreana Edwards, lean on Asia Blackwell's people that she could kind of learn from and maybe ease her way in. But instead it's, you know, out of the frying pan for her pretty much right away. And she's been so impressive. She's shooting over 50% from the floor. She is, you know, finding spots. I was looking at her shot chart over on CBB analytics. And I mean, she just, she knows who she is. She knows what she's doing out there. You know, she's not taking outside shots. She's taking that ball right to the rim and she's doing a pretty good job of it. She's averaging over nine rebounds a game. Um, she's only fouled out once, which especially with being a freshman, that's always something I look at because you figure, okay, there's going to be a few times where maybe you get a little bit excited. Maybe you are just adjusting to the pace of the game, to the style of play, and you get a little bit foul happy. But the fact that she's only done that one time, I think, is really, really impressive. Uh, there was certainly a case, and and certainly still could be a case, or. Uh, you know, Bailey Maupin was really good with Texas Tech, had a, had a little bit of a tough stretch, had some injury, I believe. Um, and so that kind of knocks you off a little bit. But thus far, uh, I think that Little Page Bugs has been really, really good. Yeah, I I agree. I have Little Page Bugs as my freshman of the year, too. Um, I just think she's in a tough situation and she's doing so much with it. 
she kind of reminds me in a, in a sense of like what Dee Dee Richards brought to Baylor for a while that like, you know, she's not going to take threes, but she's going to, you know, she's going to play wherever you need to play, bring a lot of defensive grit to the floor. Um, you know, she's playing up front, despite the fact that I think she was recruited as a wing, you know, mm -hmm. she just, she can do a little of everything. And then I had Maupin as my kind of second choice there. Um, big fan of her game. I actually got to see her, in high school when she was like a sophomore, I think. Um, and she, you know, was impressive all the way back then. Um, but she's, you know, had a few few more struggles lately that I think make this makes this kind of a runaway right now for little page bugs. Similar vein, uh, newcomer of the year. Let, let's let's keep the freshman out of this one and focus on I think <laughs> transfers in this situation. Who's who's the newcomer in the Big Twelve that's made the biggest impact for their team this year? Justin. I couldn't pick here. I have two names written down. They both play for the same team. It's Shayla Gonzalez and Sonia Morris from Texas. Um, they both bring a lot of good things to the floor. I think Morris is a, does a little more as a scorer. Gonzalez has a little more everything else. Um, but I think you know those two have really made an impact on a Texas team that looks a whole lot different than last year's Texas team, but is, you know, leading the Big 12. I, uh, I still have the same question which I've said before, which is wondering, which perhaps Justin knows, whether this is newcomer to your team or newcomer to the league. Because that changes things. Uh, I think, obviously, Gabby Gregory has made a huge impact at K-State, she scores, she plays defense, she's so strong, and I, I really believe that she kind of wills them to wins at times. But, you know, she ain't new to the league. Otherwise, uh, I, I had kind of the same struggle as you, but I did end up going with Shaylee Gonzalez just because to this point, I, I think that in, in the times that I watch them, I go, true to my name, I go much more on vibes than on statistics. But I feel like she's so multifaceted. She may not do everything every game, but she has the capability to do a lot of things very well. Like she has the capability to be a leading rebounder. She has the capability to really score. She has the capability to distribute the ball and has really, really good court vision. So um, I, I think that, in that way, she's been just a little bit better uh, in, in just what I've seen. But there's obviously a lot of really solid statistical arguments as well as just, you know, vibe-based arguments for Sonia Morris, too. Uh, okay, so we got two left. I see his name, but he's <laughs> muted and has no camera. So we'll see if Andy's actually on board for this one. We saved one just for Andy. Hey, there, there he is. Go. Hey, I'm here. Look, Sorry about what that. What a dapper gentleman. Look at the tie and all, man. I had a church thing and I literally got home and logged on immediately. My cat decided that he wanted to join it first, but did everything he could to thwart me actually getting connected did and then decided- Did your cat do his homework unlike Philip or? Philip did not do um, Philip is building a. My cat did not do his homework. I did some of my homework. Philip is building so. a board and batten in his bedroom. That's what's taken up most of his weekend. Also, the fact that all the kids are sick sure. because sure. one of the gifts my mother brought for my four year old for her birthday party was a cold. Uh, we've got two awards left, Andy. I saved one especially for you, so let's do it now. Uh, I think you pitched this one non con to Big 12. Who is the player who has taken the biggest jump from how they play the non-conference to how they are playing now in the Big 12. I'm going to let Andy collect his thoughts here for a minute. Justin, who do you have for this? I was going to say, that definitely was not my pitch. That that was Jamie's pitch. Mine was the quote-unquote unsung hero. Uh, we already, did, know, we already the, did that one, so. Yeah, that, that's all right. That's all right. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so I, this was the toughest one for me just because, like, it's kind of hard to 
filter out stats and see what their mm -hmm. non-con stats only were. But I went with Sarah Andrews because she's averaging 19.9 points per game during Big 12 play. She's had five 20-plus point scoring games already in the conference versus two of them in non-conference. You know, she's was always very good, but is even more very good right now, which seems to fit the idea of this award. I went with uh, a another potential candidate for Sixth Player of the Year as well. Frankly, like I said, there's a whole host of them at Oklahoma State. Spoiler alert. Uh, I went with Anna Gretasi because, my gosh, has she had some incredible games in conference specifically. You know, when, when you came in, she was a transfer. She really didn't play a whole heck of a lot at Arizona. You say, okay, what, what do we got coming here? Like what, what's, what's her potential? Where she plays? It's there's so many questions. And then you start off the season. Like I said, you've got all these transfers. You have this new group, you have a new coach and everyone's kind of figuring out where they fit into the equation and she started off pretty solid. You know, she's playing anywhere from a couple up to over 20 minutes a game in the non-conference. Um, and I think might have been a little bit hobbled at, at one point. She had a couple games where she barely played. I don't know exactly uh, what was behind that. But she comes into conference and she plays two minutes against K-State. I mean, doesn't really record any significant stats there but then you go to Baylor or excuse me then you play Texas she plays nine minutes she's four or five from the floor she's super efficient and so slowly her minutes have started kind of bumping up she's playing 16 minutes against Baylor she's three for six you go on this two two game stretch at Iowa State at Oklahoma, she's 7 for 11. She's 8 for 15. You know, she's popping off against Oklahoma from 3, 7 for 12. She drops 26. And so she's not having the game of her life every game, but she's very consistently been good in non-conference play. Now, she struggled a couple times, you know, struggled a little bit the second time against Texas, but I think they probably had seen what she was doing in the past few games and focused in on her. And then struggled a little bit at TCU, but uh, apparently everyone's struggling against TCU now because they they found some energy. I don't know. There's some weird happening there. They flipped a switch after Iowa State beat the crap out of them. So I'm I'm watching that one pretty closely. But it's uh, I've I've been blown away by what I've seen from her to go from just kind of being out there and, you know, doing some good things here and there. Not that she was ever, you know, making terrible decisions, hurting the team, but just kind of there to being a huge contributor in some of their biggest games in conference play. Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, so, you know, I, I went over to CBB analytics and took a look at the, just the player in the conference and was trying to find someone who wasn't necessarily that great um in non-conference and really seem to turn it on in conference and the one that jumps out to me the most would be Brianna scott from texas tech like i think there's a lot of players that don't get a lot of credit if they're not on one of the top teams um but her turnaround right from non-conference where she was um you know she was averaging 12.3 points per game in the non-conference and in conference she's at 21.6 um you look at her field goal percentage uh, let me see. Uh, sorry, I had to. Yeah, it went from 33% overall to 43%. Like she improved 10% on her, you know, field goals. Like just you look across the board with pretty much every single stat and she has had a huge jump for Texas Tech going from the non-conference to the conference. Unfortunately, it gets a little bit overshadowed. I mean, you know, you look even at players like, um, uh, well, uh, I was trying to look at uh, the, the, the original sort I had had Ashley Jones down but i think that one was by minutes played which is a little weird weird of a way to uh to, to sort at the beginning there are a few other players that have really kind of stepped up and jumped up but she's the one i think that jumped out the most to me very good all right it's a really good one uh last one of the night here it's the big one it's player of the year who at this point is your player of the year in the big 12 jamie i always feel like i'm gonna seem like a homer but how do you not say the 
Harrison leading the league in scoring, second in rebounding, in the top five in three-point field goal percentage, in the top six in field goal percentage, in the second in three-point field goals per game after Taylor Robertson, which, I mean, that top spot's nearly locked up, although it's only a tenth per game different, which is something. But, I mean... Uh, again, you know, this is this is the mid mid season. The next month is going to do a lot as far as what you do for the postseason. But I just have a really hard time. Some of your top candidates that you have looked at at different points, different this or excuse me, during the season, have kind of fallen off a little bit. I think Gabby Gregory has has somewhat of a case at, at points, but has had some pretty significant struggles. Um, and K-State has just had some pretty significant struggles. That could certainly change here in the home stretch. Rory Harmon, I think, was someone that a lot of people were looked at. She hasn't been quite the same since she got hurt. There's certainly been times where it looks like it's still affecting her a lot. You know, I could go down the list of other people, but I just have a really hard time going away from someone putting up the numbers Ashley is. That would be Ashley Jones, I would say. Yeah. You didn't want to be a homer, and then you, like, never actually named the player. You just started going into it was. I was, I was building up to the big review. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, and Cliffhanger. <laughs> Andy, who's your player of the year? Well, I mean, if, if Jamie's going to go the homer pick, then I'm going to go oh, with the homer we pick go. as well. <laughs> but no, no. I mean, it's what I mean. I, I'm assuming that she got discussion as defensive player of the year, Tiana Jackson, because of what she's been able to do defensively. And I, I wasn't here for it. So I'm hoping when I go back and listen to it, that there was, you know, that talk there, but I'm going to go. Um, she has significantly more blocks than anybody in the, in the big 12, um, like almost doubled up. Same with, uh, with rebounds. You, you, you look at the rebounding that she has just, it's absolutely ridiculous, especially in conference numbers. She is far and away the best rebounder in terms of total rebounds. She's far and away the best in terms of block shots. Um, she doesn't, you know, she can't match up to the to the three point numbers of Ashley Jones because, of course, she doesn't take three pointers being a, a pure center. Um, but the way that she affects games on both the defensive end and the offensive end, you know, she is she is up there uh, in terms of some of the best players in terms of, uh, you know, points per game. She's at 15.3, which is good for uh, looks like sixth in the conference right now. Um, you look at her field goal percentage, she's at 65.8% on the season, like far and away the best in terms of, you know, just pure shooting percentage. Um, you know, she's she's actually up towards the top of the leaderboard as well in steals, which uh, defensively is a, a strange thing to see for a center. But that has a lot more to do, I think, with just the fact that when people try to drive on her, she affects it enough that she's able to knock the ball away or she's able to block the shot, one of the two. And so her defensive numbers are absolutely insane and last year she was a very very good defender that you know lost out on the defensive player of the year award to another fantastic defender this year she has an entire game both defense and offense she's one of the best offensive players in the conference and i think she's has a very good case to be far and away the best defensive player this year in the conference as well so you add all that up and it's hard to not at least consider her as one of the top two or three um and like I, I definitely see the case for like an Ashley Jones. I see the case for like a Rory Harmon because of how important she's been for Texas. There are a lot of other players, I think. And we get to the end of the season, it's almost assuredly going to be one of the better players on the team that gets first or second in the conference. That's just the way these things work. But if you're looking specifically at just player specific, I think it's hard to make a case for somebody who is who is for sure better than Tyana Jackson. All right. Well, Justin, who's your pick here? Yeah, so I I don't have a Homer card in this, so um, I guess to break the tie here, those are my top two in this, um, Jones and Jackson, for I mean basically the reasons that you both said, um, but the tiebreaker for me is just that I think an award like this, when these two players are so close, comes down to you know Iowa State could win the conference, Kansas is struggling in conference play and I know that's not necessarily Jackson's fault but I just think I don't know the best of the of the four teams that have a shot still to win the big 12 Jones is the best 
of the best player on those four teams. Um, and that kind of was where I made my tie-breaking decision. Um, but it, it was a tough one, yeah, because, I mean, Tyana Jackson has just been so good on both ends of the floor, but I went with Ashley Jones. Fair enough. All right. Very good. You guys have been great. Justin, before we let you go, uh, let's touch on kind of the standings and, and the state of things in the Big 12. Uh, Charlie Cream, who does the uh, bracketology for ESPN for the women's side, uh, put out his last update Saturday morning. Obviously, we've had <laughs> uh, five Big 12 games played since then. At that time, he had five or six Big 12 teams in the tournament. Not too surprising who those are. Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, Iowa State, uh, Oklahoma State, and Kansas, with West Virginia and Kansas State uh, among the next four out. So a few spots outside of there. Texas Tech not among any of those, um, although they are they're just low in the net. Looking at the state of things, the six teams that Charlie has in, and then West Virginia and Kansas State, if you guys are going to make a prediction, Justin, I'll let you go first here. How many teams does the Big 12 get dancing this year? I think it ends up being... Uh, I think Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State are the teams I see for sure at this point getting in because of how well Oklahoma State's been playing. West Virginia, a few days last week, I would have had them in. They're really on the bubble for me right now because they've lost a couple in a row, but uh, six, I'm going to go six. I'm just going to, I'm going to have hope in West Virginia. Oh, hope in West Virginia. Okay. That would have uh, Kansas falling out. Andy, he thinks Kansas is going to fall out. Sorry, man. Uh, Interesting though. In the net as of today. Sorry. Sorry. I, I had unmuted my side, but forgot to unmute the zoom side. So, um, I definitely agree that it's going to be six. Um, and I do think that Kansas has a shot. But I think the the thing to think about with the Jayhawks is that they have had a very front-loaded schedule in conference this year. Um, they had a fantastic non-conference. The only loss being a triple overtime loss to Nebraska up in uh, Lincoln. You know, they have a dominant marquee victory um, over Arizona on the road, like a dominant victory on the road there. They have everything that you need in the non-conference and the overall resume, I think, to weather the fact that they are struggling inside conference. But they haven't played TCU yet. They haven't played, you know, they, they played one game against West Virginia. They played one game against Texas Tech. They've only played one game against Kansas State. They have plenty of opportunities to pile up the wins that you need to get back to where they're safely in the field. West Virginia, I think, is going to potentially have some issues with the way that the rest of the schedule plays out for them, at least when you compare them to Kansas. If only one of them makes it, I think it's Kansas over West Virginia. But, I mean, I do think there's at least a a decent shot that both of them could make it because of some of the big wins that they've got. Yeah, Kansas's upcoming schedule is TCU at Texas Tech at West Virginia. A uh, home game versus Oklahoma, obviously a good team. A uh, road game at Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and then at TCU. So, as you mentioned, TCU twice. They've got games against Texas Tech, West Virginia, though it's on the road. Yeah, and a road game at Kansas State. Uh, yeah, I, I think Kansas has plenty of opportunities to to bolster that that uh, the the resume there amongst the Big Twelve play. Justin, you have been incredible and awesome, and I always appreciate you join. No, oh, Jamie, did you want to have your thoughts on this? I'm sorry. I told you I've had three six kids, three six kids, three three six kids. I'm done. Uh, Jamie, to try to take away an opportunity to hear my own voice. <laughs> The audacity? That, that's not where I thought she was going to go with that, but, I mean, it makes perfect sense. No, but it's very JSJ, and, and that's why we love her. Right, exactly. <laughs> and for my fans? How dare you, sir? Do I have anything to add to this? No, they're, they're both right. It's probably going to be six. It's. I think it's a little bit more likely to be Kansas. They're just a little bit more balanced than West Virginia. West I'll tell you, I've been impressed. They really have figured out how to put together a complete game a lot more than I expected. I I give the edge a little bit to Kansas. They've got the opportunity for some big wins, but not as many really, really difficult games. They've got a couple that you can tentatively chalk in. 
as as pretty good potential wins there. But yeah, I think I think about six, especially finally, you know, the Big Ten's kind of cannibalizing itself. Everyone wanted to talk about how the Big Ten is the best conference I've ever seen in the history of the world. So, uh, you know, knock that down a couple pegs and decide that they can't put the entire conference into the tournament there. But I mean, yeah, the the landscape's crazy. You could give like a plus minus one very, very easily. There's certainly a scenario in which there's seven. There's equally as likely a scenario where there's five, and so you land kind of at six. My my concern for my concern for West Virginia is this: because of the selection committee's history of almost following the net ratings to a T too often um, as opposed to the men's side, which is a little more liberal with it. And we understand how it works because of quad wins and they don't do the quad stuff with the women's side. West Virginia is currently 72nd in the net. Um, That's less than ideal. If you want to be an at large team uh, when it comes to election Sunday. So they've got a lot of work to do from that standpoint. Maybe, maybe that that just means they're going to run through the big 12 tournament, right. And get the auto bid. Yeah, that's it. That'll do it. You know what, though, if there was ever a year for the weird auto bid to come out of the Big 12, like this is a year where I could see a bunch of teams get hot in the Big 12 conference tournament. Um, That being said, we have plenty of time to figure out exactly who that is. But like if you told me in, you know, a month and a half that all of a sudden we're looking in West Virginia as one of the hottest teams going into the Big 12 tournament and runs their way through it, I might be I mean, I'd be surprised, but I don't know that I would be shocked. Oh, also, I just kind of had to point out. JSJ's reaction to to Philip almost skipping her remind me like had big energy of the Game of Thrones meme you know the 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 shame fell that you know walking <laughs> down the street there so oh very good Justin uh, we always appreciate your time man uh, do me a favor where can everybody check out everything you do I mean everything um yeah um so I have my biweekly newsletter at her hoop stats I also have a Dariana Little Page Bugs piece coming out this week at Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball. If you want more in-depth thoughts on her game from me, I'm on Twitter at JustCart. Um, yeah, and I'm other places too. Justin, always appreciate your time. Look forward to having you back on soon uh, as we get closer and closer to March Madness for the women. Yeah, thanks. All right, Jamie, Andy, let's talk a little bit of Big 12 men's basketball before we wrap this show up. Uh, It happened. We talked about this just last Monday. Six teams at that time in the Big 12 had suffered a three-game conference losing streak. That number as of today is now seven. Kansas State joining that illustrious collection of Texas Tech, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Kansas after losing at home in a hell of a game on Saturday against Texas. That means that they now lost to Iowa State on the road, that coming the game before they beat Florida. Then, of course, the loss at Kansas this past week, and then, of course, the loss at home to Texas. That's those home losses that'll get you if you're going to have a conference losing streak. Here's the point of this. I don't I it wouldn't shock me if we saw one more of these. I just that's just the Big 12 at this point. But I I, I know we usually talk about hey our games coming up and we're going to kind of pick them, but there's one game this week I really want to just kind of focus on for a minute. Because if Texas somehow finds a way to go into Fog Allen and win there for just the third time in Big 12 play, do we have to start having an actual conversation about maybe we won't have a four-way tie and it is more likely we end up with one team winning the Big 12 the way that Texas has been playing in Big 12 play despite how difficult their conference schedule is the rest of the way? Look, if that happens, and I'm not saying that like I don't expect it to because I very easily – the way that Kansas is playing right now, that's easily a very real possibility. Um, you have to start talking about – Rodney Terry potentially as a big 12 coach of the year. Oh, like for what he's been able to do with this team. Like I understand that they have a super talented team, but to be able to, to weather that sort of turmoil in the middle of a season and turn it around and still have a team that like, if they get that win against Kansas in Foggy Island Fieldhouse, you, you have to start talking about Texas as a good shot for a final four team because of how well they've been playing. They've they played a lot of really good opponents in very difficult places 
And at that point, I think they, they would probably have, um, I'm trying to think, they would have a two-game lead, I think, on basically everybody, except for maybe potentially Iowa State, um, you know, kind of pending what Iowa State does early in the in the week. So, like, that is a huge, uh, you know, lead to have at this point in the season, especially with everything going on. Now, granted, they might need it because of how difficult the rest of the stretch is for them. But, you know, at that point, they're probably going to be favored in, in basically every game the rest of the way because they've won in a bunch of different difficult places with, you know, against a bunch of really good programs and teams. So yeah, Texas, if they can go in and get that win, it's hard not to see them being the one that, that gets a, you like, it, it would take a collapse, I think, for them to not win the conference outright at that point. Um, or somebody else just going absolutely like, you know, TCU that they've, they've been so up and down this year that like, I could see them getting on a hot streak and like that sort of hot streak to be able to come away back. Um, but I don't know, like, if there's enough teams that would have enough good games left against Texas to be able to pull them all the way back. It would take a concerted effort for multiple teams to be able to do that because they would just have such a big lead at that point. Well, I, I'm trying to do the math because I don't think Texas could win it outright when Iowa State's already beat them once and they're not going to lose again. So. I th- I think I th- the math isn't mathing for me personally on that one. Um, you mean Iowa but State's... they'll make a really good run at it. You mean Iowa State's not going to lose it home again, right? No, at home they won't lose again ever. Okay, you know they still have one, two, three, four road games left on the schedule. I said what I said. You heard it here. JSJ <laughs> is calling. She never gave a time limit on how long it's going to be before they lose Ever. again, which means she is calling um, back, to back, calling to back to back to back to back to back national championships for the rest of time from the Iowa State Cyclones. That, that's that's right, folks. That's a burger about to go. Right, on. As friend of the as I friend never, of the show, I'll be sure likes to say all the time. I said what I said, right? I never stand by a statement, but this one is it. Write it in ink. Otzelberger about to go on his John Wooden run. Very good. Very good. All right. That's the that's a hell of a statement to be the one that you stand by, Jamie. Good job. Yep. Talk about bold. <laughs> I, I see no reason not to end the show on that. Uh, it seems like an excellent <laughs> stopping point. Uh, you can uh, comment to Jamie about her uh, current prediction uh, on Twitter at J-S-T-E-Y-Z, J-S-T-E-Y-Z. Uh, Andy Mitts 12 is where you will find Andy. You can check out their shows in the 1012 network, that being the Rock Chalk podcast for Andy, Cyclone Family podcast for Jamie. Of course, we are the 1012 podcast at 1012 network on Twitter. Don't forget to check out the new show, Viva La Cats for Cincinnati. And remember, we will announce our second new edition later this week. Cannot wait to do so. That will leave us one school shy. If I tell you which one that is, then you'll know which school the later edition is about. So I'm not going to do that. So you'll just have to tune in on Thursday or follow us on Twitter. Either way, we'll talk to you again then. Podcast Network.